15, 13. says, A joyful heart makes a cheerful face. These men walk by a table in a hotel and notice three men and a dog playing cards. The dog appears to be winning. That must be a very smart dog, the man said. He ain't so smart, said one of the players every time he gets a good hand, he starts wagging his tail. <laughs> a joyful heart makes a cheerful face. And when you have joy in your heart, you can't help but show it. Our passage today is out of Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men, for the Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. This is the word of God for all people. Thanks Thanks be to God. God. So joy, week three of Advent, we're where we've looked at peace and we've looked at hope, and today we're going to talk about joy. And Randy's right, joy is very different from happiness. There's a gentleman named Phil Anderson, and he wrote this about joy, and I, and I just love this because I, it's, it's dead on. Joy is something that confronts my circumstances and occurs in spite of sadness, difficulty, or loss. Happiness is a good feeling I get when things go a particular way. Joy is an attitude I adopt in spite of how things go. Joy is a posture, it's a position. The deep assurance I have is the God who loves me is in control. Joy doesn't happen to me one day and avoid me the next. Joy is the result of a choice. The choice I have to make every day. The choice based on the knowledge that I belong to God who is my refuge. And nothing, not even death, can take God away from me. The choice that we make every day Paul wrote in another place that we pick up our cross daily and follow him, follow God. Now the best example of choosing joy that I know of is when my friend Brian and Debbie Mock got pregnant. Now Debbie wanted to be a mom and, and they were ecstatic. It was a joyous moment as they looked forward to being first time parents. But it wasn't long into that pregnancy before they discovered something was wrong. Um, Debbie had a genetic predisposition for uh, an illness that had afflicted the baby. And they were told that, that the baby wouldn't, if it made it to birth, it wouldn't survive. And certainly if it was a mere miraculous occurrence enough to survive past the birth, it wouldn't live long. See, we tend to focus primarily on happiness in life. And happiness is a good thing, amen? It's, it's not that it's a bad thing. Except that it tends to depend on our circumstances. If I'm having a good day, then I'm happy. If I'm having a bad day, then I'm not. The joy is outside. We choose it. And Brian and Debbie did. In the midst of this circumstance, they chose joy. And from the first time I found out about Harvey, Harvey Glenn Mock, and what his prognosis was, Debbie was clear about something. She, she said she wasn't going to get lost in asking, why me? Why did this happen? In fact, she told me that she knew that there was going to be miracles of healing in this pregnancy. She didn't want to miss any of them. 
We all hope for and we pray for and we long for the big healing for Harvey, right? We wanted the big healing. We want the big healing. The miracle. But I've been approached by more folks than I can even number during that time and since who were impacted by Harvey Glenn Mock. And as I prepared for Harvey's funeral, we didn't get the big miracle either. I prepared for his funeral. God impressed upon me a passage of scripture from Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And during that time he had been around me, you heard me say something like, you know, I don't think I can handle things the way that Brian and Debbie did. Yeah, I still don't. But the truth is that Brian and Debbie couldn't handle things the way they did without the support they had. They had family around them, they had friends around them, they had a church community around them. But more than that, they had the Holy Spirit in their lives. God was present during that pregnancy, and Debbie felt the first kick of Harvey. She, she loved every moment of that pregnancy. There's a strength that can only come from God through the Holy Spirit. And they had it. You could sense it in them that their faith was strong. Then the Spirit continues to carry them today. Harvey lived a miraculous 30 hours. Actually, 31 hours. They said he was going to be deformed. He was perfect. Perfect. They got to take Harvey home. And with friends and with family, we were all around them when Harvey passed away. In their home. <coughs> miracle after miracle. Things that the doctor said couldn't happen. This is not going to happen. Happened. So we didn't get the big miracle, but we got some miracles. And Harvey continues to minister through different families. We've got a 5K that every year that goes on. And he's, he's still with us. He's here. His memory is with us this morning. Harvey is still impacting lives. Debbie and Brian, who couldn't have a baby. Hudson James Mott is 15 months old. He is a healthy boy. God is done miracles. God is good in all things. Sometimes we don't understand it, but God is there whether we think it's good or we think it's bad. And joy abounds. Joy is available to us. Even when we're tired, even when we're run down, Isaiah says, He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and they fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. The promise. Grab it. I know we get tired, we get run down, we get drained. Life is that way. But God is faithful. 
And God is good. And he is present in our lives. He will renew us. He will rejuvenate us. He will restore us. If we'll give him the chance. If we'll give him, honestly, if we'll give him half a chance, God will show up in our lives and the lives of those around us. And I love that scripture gives us a guide on how to find this joy that we're talking about. Continuing in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on those things. Want to know how to find joy? Focus on the good. We spend a lot of time focusing on things we, we don't have. But when we focus on the good things we have, we can find a place of peace. We can find this joy that the Bible talks about. But it's always up to us. We've been talking about choices. Well, this is another one of them. A gentleman named Kent Crockett, he, he wrote a book. I like the title. I once was blind, but now I squint. <laughs> he tells this story. One day my wife, Cindy, refueled our car at a filling station in Texas town. Instead of driving up to the self-service pump, she accidentally pulled up to full service. She didn't realize the luxury service cost an extra 50 cents a gallon until she paid for it. Later, she told me how the station had hiked the prices on full service. That extra 50 cents per gallon surely has to be a violation of some federal law, I thought. I quickly calculated that the extra $7 she spent on full service uh, would have taken our vehicle 128.33 miles further down the road if she just bought self-service gas. The full-service gas station robbery had me fuming for several hours. As I was mulling over this terrible injustice, God showed me what I had done. I had sold my joy for $7. I never realized how cheaply I would surrender something so valuable. Just as Esau exchanged his birthright for a bowl of food, I exchanged my joy for $7 worth of gas. At what price are you willing to sell your joy? At what price? Do you focus so much on what you don't have that you miss all the good things that you do and it keeps you tied up in knots and from enjoying those good things? Are you hanging on to things so tightly? Just hanging on to them. There was a conference in a Presbyterian Church in Omaha, Nebraska. People were given helium-filled balloons, and they were told that during this service, when you feel a sense of joy, to let the balloon go to express the joy in your heart. So the service goes on, and there's these balloons that are going up every so often. You know, as people are expressing the joy in their heart, after the service is over, one-third of the balloons we're still in people's hands. Are you hanging on to your balloon? Maybe it's time to let it go. Maybe it's time to let the joy of God in this season of Christmas, the, the joy of God come into your heart. To find contentment, to find joy, no matter what your circumstances might be. Paul goes on, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at last your care for me has flourished. Though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard to need. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned that in whatever state I am, to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full 
and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. All things. So we're able to find joy in all things when our focus and our faith is on Jesus. That passage doesn't mean that I'm going to stand here and, and go, okay, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to pick up the church building. It's not what it's saying. It's not saying that, that we're getting those, those are the kind of things. What it's talking about is that with Christ in our hearts, we are all overcomers. You can overcome anything through Christ. With Christ working in you and working through you. John 16, 33, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you're going to have many trials and many sorrows, but take heart. Take heart, for I have overcome the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We are overcomers in this season. If life's beating on you, grab hold. Hang on the paddle. Not to the balloon. But to him. Let him lift you up. See, we're different because he makes us different. We're different because he lives in us and he works through us. Some of y'all probably read the devotional today in the Word. And I wanted to close with, with the word out of his. As a third century man was anticipating death, he penned these last words to a friend. That's probably the 200th, I think, third century. It's a bad world, an incredibly bad world. But I have discovered in the midst of it a quiet and holy people who have learned a great secret. They have found a joy which is a thousand times better than any pleasure in our sinful life. They are despised and persecuted, but they care not. They are masters of their souls. They have overcome the world. These people are the Christians, and I am one of them. So am I. So am I. I hope you are. If you're not, I hope that you consider God moving in your heart to give you this peace that passes all understanding that Randy talked about this morning. Because it's available to you. No matter what, wherever you are, whatever's going on, God wants to be with you in it. Now, may God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Grab hold of that. May it lift you.